Let's turn to your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, verse number 1. Luke chapter 5, and beginning with verse number 1. If you're there, say, Amen. All right, so there's about three people there. Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse number 1. Are you there? Say, I'm there. All right, so that's half. So it was that as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and was washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put down little from the land. And he sat down and taught them the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing, but nevertheless at your word I'll let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets was breaking. They signified to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. They came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. Now, just quickly, if you look at Matthew chapter 4, and beginning with verse 18, I just want to read two verses here. Matthew chapter 4, and beginning with verse number 18. Matthew 4, beginning with verse 18. And Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then he said to them, Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. This morning I want to talk about going fishing. Going fishing. Look to your neighbor and say, You need to go fish. You need to go fishing sometimes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to minister your word. We pray that everything that's said and done may bring you the glory and we won't fail to praise you for it. And everyone said amen. Once upon a time, there was a group of men called fishermen. These men would meet every week, week after week. They would meet month after month. And they would even meet year after year. And these fishermen would have meetings. As a matter of fact, they would talk about the call to go fishing. One man said, there's an abundance of fish out in the sea, and we're responsible to go fishing. As a matter of fact, they all agreed that there is an abundance of fish in the sea, and we should go fishing. Continually, year after year, they would have meetings, and they would search for new and better methods to go fishing. As a matter of fact, they would, this group of men, they even sponsored special meetings, paid big money, had national campaigns to how to discuss to go fishing. They even bought new equipment to go fishing. They passed their equipment around, and everybody was in awe of all the new 21st century fishing equipment. They were super excited. They talked about all the new bait that was discovered all the new fishing equipment, and they would have energetic meetings about how they needed to go fish. The problem is, these people never 
fished. I mean, they, they had great organization. I mean, they had great methods. They, they appointed people to help them, but somehow they just never got to the aspect of fishing. I mean, they talked about it. They bought the equipment. They, they talked about the abundance of fish in the sea. They even showed their equipment to each other. But somehow along the way, they lacked the motivation to fish. They were organized. They hired staff. They had appointed committees to help them. They even had great billboards about the fish in the sea. They even had studies about how many fish they could catch. But somehow, year after year, they just talked about it. They spent endless money in studying the fish, but yet they never went fishing. Now, I know this story maybe is a little humorous. Maybe you think I'm talking about really going fishing, but I'm really not talking about actually going fishing. There is a spiritual principle here. This represents the church. For years, we have gone to church and we have talked about our methods and we've talked about our programs and we've had services where we've been hyped up and, and we've gotten people all excited about the abundance of fish in the sea. We just saw a video a few moments ago of the thousands of people who are in the sea. And yet, we are that group of people this morning. We are gathered together and we're talking about going fishing. As a matter of fact, I've pastored for 15 years and I've talked about going fishing a lot. I've encouraged people to go fishing. I've bought equipment to go fishing. As a matter of fact, people would go fishing with me, but yet somehow along the way we lost the zeal and we, we've lost the desire, we've lost the passion. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm not talking about actually going fishing. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 4 that you are called to be a fisherman of men. You are called to go fish for people. And yet, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest priority, the greatest mandate of the church is not to have another worship service or to preach another sermon. It is for us to be the light and the salt to the world, to a lost and dying world. Are we going to have another fisherman meeting or are we actually going to use the equipment and go fishing? Well, that's some good preaching. Somebody should at least say amen to that. Are we going to sit around and just twiddle our thumbs and talk about the abundance of fish in the sea? Or are we going to really do, about, do something about it? Jesus said in Matthew 4, 19, he said to Andrew and to Peter, he said, no longer are you going to fish for fish, but you are going to fish for people. You are mandated to go fish for people. You see, Jesus' first instruction was, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. His last instruction in the book of Acts was that ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you will be witnesses both for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the othermost parts of the world. You know what Jesus is saying? Jesus said my first message was for you to go and to fish for people and my last message is for you to be a witness. You see, it's still clear today. After 2,000 years of Christianity, the point is still clear. God's heartbeat is for people. I said God's heartbeat is for people. People matter to God. 
And we put more emphasis on buildings and programs than we put on people. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope your heart is stirred this morning to know that God's heartbeat is beating for people. It's beating for souls. It's beating for every continent, tribe, and nation around the world. We're not called just to sit and talk about our fishing meetings. We are called to do something. Max Licato, a famous Christian author, told a story in his book. He said, he said uh, him and his best friends decided to go fishing. He wrote this in his book. Uh, and his book was called When Fishermen Don't Fish, They Fight. So uh, he wrote this book and he said, he told a story about how his best friends were going fishing. And they were going camping. And they were going to camp out and go fishing and have a great time. They went to the store, bought their new fishing equipment. They got their bait. They were ready to fish. So they went to the lake. And right when they got there, that evening, there was a horrible rainstorm. And the rainstorm lasted for three days. So they couldn't fish. I mean, it was a horrible rainstorm. So him and his buddy stayed in the camper. They played cards and Monopoly. And they just did all kinds of games. But he said at the end of the three days... He said in his book, we begin to fight. We begin to nitpick at each other. We got irritated at each other because we were wanting to fish, but we couldn't fish because the weather was bad and we were stuck in the camper playing games and that's not what they wanted to do. And you know what I thought about this? He said in his book, that's just like the church. When we are not doing what we are called to do, we will start nitpicking with one another. When we are not fishing like we're supposed to fish, We'll start nitpicking with one another. We'll get irritated with one another. We'll constantly get edgy with one another. We will complain and gripe because we are not doing what God has called us to do. Instead of casting nets, we'll start casting stones. Instead of us extending helping hands, we'll start pointing accusing fingers at one another. Instead of, come on somebody, instead of us being, instead of us going after the crowd, we become critics of the crowd because we are not doing what we are called to do. Half of the church problem is, is we become so inward focused, it's all about us, all about our programs, all about us licking our wounds, licking our hurts, somebody hurt me, somebody didn't do, somebody didn't come and see me, some, and just licking our wounds. It, why don't we just have a wound licking fest? Why don't we get together and all of us just lick our wounds of how bad we've been hurt by the church and how the church is not serving us and how bad the preacher is and how bad the programs are. That's not what we're called to do. We are called to receive the power of the Holy Ghost and go outside of these walls and win the gospel for Jesus Christ. So if we're not casting nets, we're going to cast stones. If we're not extending helping hands, we're going to start pointing, accusing fingers. Instead of us being fishers of the lost, we'll simply be critics of the saved. Instead of us helping the hurting, we will hurt the help. What about it, ladies and gentlemen? There was a great missionary, a great Nazarene uh, pastor who said at a Nazarene convention, J. G. Morrison, at the Nazarene Convention in 1930, he stood up in that holiness uh, convention and he said this, Can you do just a little bit more? That was during the Great Depression. At their general convention, this pastor got up to the floor and said, Can we just do a little bit more in the Great Depression? They were raising money 
to build churches overseas. And he said, can we just do a little bit more? Ladies and gentlemen, we're more blessed than we've ever been. I said, we're more prosperous than we've ever been. We have more resources than we've ever been. There is no reason why we can't build a church in India, and there is no reason why every pew and every seat in this church cannot be filled if we take our rightful place and become salt and light to a lost and dying world. Can somebody help this preacher preach this morning? People matter to God. Kenneth Wright said it like this, lost people matter to God and they must matter to us. If they matter to God, they sure do matter to us. What about it, ladies and gentlemen? What about it? One day a little boy was in Disneyland. Boy, he was having a great time with Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, and all of the rest. That little boy was eating cotton candy. I mean, it was just coming out of his mouth, down his sides. He was having the time of his life with Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. But somehow along the way, that little boy got lost. Lost from his parents. Lost from his grandparents. Separated from them because he was having a time of his life. He didn't know he was lost because he was so infascinated with Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse. He didn't know he was lost. He was just wandering around and eating cotton candy and looking at the great attractions of Walt Disney World. His parents become so upset that they realized he was lost and so they started looking for him. But the little boy was too busy having too much fun to look for his parents. Until about 20 minutes later when he suddenly looked around for them and realized he was lost. There was a security guard found him and offered him to help him to reunite him with his parents. Now, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying this. We live in a sinful world where people are having a good time. They're having a great time. They're lost and they don't even know it. They're eating their cotton candy, looking at Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck, and they don't even know they're lost. It's the Holy Spirit's job to let them know that they are lost. But once the Holy Spirit does that, we are God's security officers and we are to take them and unite them to Jesus Christ. Our problem is, a lot of us is having a lot of fun with them. We're eating our cotton candy. We're wandering around Walt Disney World too. And we have no idea that there's lost and dying people on their way to hell. Does it bother you, ladies and gentlemen? Does it bother you that there is a lost and dying world going to hell? Does it, does it prick your heart? There's a soul in hell. What bothers you? Somebody dying going to hell or a scratch on your new car? What bothers you? Missing a morning service or missing a day's work? What bothers you? A sermon that is 10 minutes too long or your lunch being too late? What bothers you? A church that's not growing or your garden that's never been attended to? What bothers you? Your Bible that's never opened or the newspaper that's unread? What bothers you? 
church work that's neglected or your homework being neglected? What bothers you? Missing a good Bible study or missing your favorite TV show? What bothers you? The millions who do not know Jesus or your inability to keep up with the Joneses? What bothers you? The cry of the multitude for hungry bread or your desire for another piece of cake? What bothers you? Your ties decreasing or your income decreasing? What bothers you? Your children late for Sunday school or late for public school? You know why this is important? Do you know why missions is the heartbeat of God? It's because, number one, the world is lost and they need Jesus. That's why we've got to preach the gospel. They're lost. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means if there are sinners, they're on their way to a devil's hell. If everyone has sinned, and if they're not redeemed and converted by the blood of Christ, then their destiny is a devil's hell and yet you and I have the greatest message ever told to the human race. Why do we need to do missions? Why do we need to preach the gospel? Because there is life after death, ladies and gentlemen. Life after death. We quote John 3:16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But do you really believe He loves the world? And let me just correct a fallacy that's in the church. If God, if I was the only one, God would die for me. Oh, no, sir. No, sir. The scripture says, for God so loved the world. It ain't about you. It's about the world. You see, he came for the world. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not about what you're doing. God loves the world. These pictures behind me represent the peoples of the world. They don't have the same privilege as you have. They have a soul. And yet you're called to be a missionary. We think preachers who have reverend in front of their name, that's their call to reach the world. No, no, no. Jesus has ordained all of us for the work of the ministry. You may never preach behind a pulpit, but your life is a sermon, and you have the ability to change somebody's life. Do you know why we need to preach? Do you know why we need to do missions and invite the unsaved? Because the world is lost. They need Jesus. They're sinners. They're unconverted because there's life after death. I don't know if we really realize that. You know why that doesn't really sink in? Because most of us in this building, you're strong and you're healthy. You're looking forward to having children and working jobs. You're not thinking about dying. Well, I'm sure... Our two young men who died at Joplin High School never thought they would die either. God forbid. It's very heart-sickening that that happened. And I can't imagine what their families are going through. The point is, is we just don't know when our number is called. We just, just don't know what will happen. And there is life after death. Does that sink in? That your very soul will live on for eternity. Let me ask you a question. Have you been converted? 
No, 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 no. I'm talking about all you all that go to church every Sunday. Are you really saved? Have you really had an experience with Jesus? Is your heart, according to the prophet, been circumcised? Are you regenerated? Is the life of God on the inside of you? Is there a desire to serve God? Is there a desire to witness the gospel? Is there a desire and a hunger to be more than you've ever been for the kingdom of God? Is the Holy Spirit working in your life? Only you can answer that. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he shall never inherit the kingdom of God. You must be born again. I'm not talking about coming down here and saying a prayer and saying three Hail Marys and saying, Lord, forgive me of my sin and going back to your seat and going out the door and doing the same thing that you just repented of. I'm talking about coming down to the altar and being baptized with the Spirit of God where the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of you and the Spirit that's dead on the inside of you, it comes alive. It comes regenerated. You are converted. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Are you saved? Are you converted? Hi, Dr. James Kennedy, the great Presbyterian preacher, said in his book, Evangelism Explosion, he said, the problem with the church is many people come to church and think they're saved. And they're really not. They, all they have is emotionalism. Because if you're really saved, you're a new creature in Christ. There should be, I shouldn't have to plead and beg for you to come to church. If you're saved, you want to be in the house of God. If you're saved, you should want to love God. If you're saved, you want to worship God. If you're born again, there is a desire on the inside of you to be Godward and to love God. Now, I don't know whether you're saved. That's up to you and Jesus. I'm not talking about being sick and not being here and being at work. That's all different. But you understand what I'm saying is when you're saved, there's a desire to be in God's presence. That's, that's what's missing. I, I agree with Dr. James Kennedy. I long for the day to see genuine conversion at the altar. I long for the day where men and women come to the front and they genuinely get saved. That means they forsake their old lifestyle and they are converted. They are brought out of the kingdom of darkness and they are brought into the kingdom of light. I desire the day when men and women truly love Jesus. And not this emotionalism and words and going to church talking about where this is translated to this and the heart is translated to the head. Not just head knowledge, not intellectual knowledge, the experiential knowledge. It's missing. We need genuine conversion now, don't we? That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you and I being missionaries. I'm talking about you and I. You are Christ's eyes on the earth. You are His hands on the earth. You are His feet on the earth. And you are his mouth on the earth. We are channels of God's love to people. And the world needs Jesus. And the only reason they're going to see Jesus 
is they're going to see it in you because there's a lot of people in foreign countries who are illiterate. They can't read the scriptures nor understand it, but they can understand someone showing the love of God to them. The world will never see Jesus until he sees, until they see it through us. You are his body. Our job is to make the visible or the invisible visible. Right? Our job is to make the invisible God visible. His goodness becomes visible through our acts of goodness. His love becomes visible through our acts of love. His compassion becomes visible through our acts of compassion. His mercy becomes visible through our acts of mercy. You see, Peter said it, Paul said it like this, you are a living epistle read by all men. In other words, Paul was saying that the invisible God is made visible through your acts of service. You see, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Nowhere did Jesus say in that verse, go and tell people, come and listen. He said, first let them look so that they may listen. Let your light so shine before men, let them see it. They may glorify your Father in heaven. What are you saying, preacher? I am saying this, that the call of missions is not just for missionaries. The call to win the lost is not for a select few. The call to win the lost is not for the pastor. The call to win the lost is a mandate to every believer. You go throughout the world and you preach the gospel. It never said go to seminary and then after your train go preach the gospel. It never said go to school and then after you're trained you need to go preach the gospel. Every one of you can preach the gospel through your lifestyle. Every one of you has an opportunity. You work with somebody. You see somebody. There is somebody in your life that don't know Jesus Christ and you've got the opportunity to demonstrate the invisible God in a visible way. Is there anybody that hears me this morning? If it's poor, if you're poor, that's bad. But people can recover from poverty. If you don't have a job, that's not good. But you can recover from that and get a job. If you don't have housing, that's not good either. It's bad, but you can recover from that and you can eventually get shelter. If you're homeless and sleeping outside with no job and on drugs, that's very disturbing. But thousands of people have recovered from But a soul that goes into eternity without Christ, they can never recover from that. Never. Your children will never recover from it. 
Do you realize that your children who are lost, they can't go to heaven on your on your on, on, on your skirt. Unless you tell your children and demonstrate the love of God to them, they will be lost without Christ and die in a devil's hell. Does that ring a bell with us? Those babies you love so much that you coddle and you love, if they don't accept Jesus, there is an eternity. Does that ring a bell to any of us? Does that prick your heart? To know that if we truly believe the gospel and we truly believe the words of Jesus, there is life after death. And the call to preach the gospel and the call to evangelize the world is not for a select few. It is for this church in Galena, Kansas on this day, on March the 5th, 2017. We are commissioned to carry the gospel. Carry the gospel. You say, well, pastor, you know, I, I can't go to knock on doors and I can't do that. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm not asking you to hand out tracts. I'm not asking you to wear a white shirt and knock on doors and, and do the ABCs of salvation. I'm asking you to live your life in such a way that it causes holy conversation to happen where the Holy Spirit opens the doors of people and you have the opportunity to share the love of God through your acts of service and through the gospel of Jesus Christ. What about it? What about it, ladies and gentlemen? I'm closing. You see, Peter, in the gospels, went fishing, did he not? Jesus said, launch out in the deep, Peter. Peter launches out into the deep. The first thing I want you to see about missions is that Peter had to be uncomfortable and launch out in the deep. Peter had to do something that was uncomfortable. He had been fishing all night. And yet Jesus said, I want you to launch out into the deep. You see, we've been trying to win the loss for years, haven't we? Peter was fishing all night. Doesn't that sound familiar? We've been trying a long time to win the loss. But yet Jesus says, Peter, don't give up. I want you to be uncomfortable and launch out into the deep. Listen to this pastor this morning. We have tried to win the lost. We've done our best. We have toiled all night and we are tired and we don't see the results like we want, just like Peter. But I hear the words of Jesus on this Sunday morning. Don't give up. Continue to launch out because there's fish in the sea. Peter was tired. Don't you get tired? Don't you get tired of trying to win the lost and befriend people and, and it don't work? I'm sure Peter felt that way too. But nothing ever done in the kingdom of God is ever a waste. Ever a waste. You say, well, pastor, I've had some bad experiences in church. No, 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 no. It's never a waste in the kingdom of God. Launch out into the deep. Christ's point Let's launch out into the deep. In other words, let's be uncomfortable. Ask the Holy Spirit when you go to work. Lord, give me an opportunity to speak the gospel to this woman. Invite him to church. When was the last time you invited someone to church? You say, well, they won't come. 
you keep launching out. You keep asking. You keep planting seeds. Because I promise you, nothing's ever wasted in the kingdom of God. You know what else Peter did? Not only did he have to launch into the deep, but get this, I'm going to close. Peter had to let down his net. You see, it's interesting that Jesus never said, Peter, come here. Let me give you a new net, and then you can go fishing. Jesus used his method, his net, and because he was obedient, he had so much fish, it almost sunk his boat and, Peter, and Andrew's boat. So get this. Jesus can use our nets. Jesus can use our methods to reach the lost if we are sincere about it and obey his voice. Did you, let me say that again. Did Jesus require a new net? Talk to me. Did he use Peter's net? Yes. Because he obeyed the words of Jesus, Peter used his net, and he got fish. Jesus will anoint our methods if we will obey his voice and make an effort. I promise you, we're going to catch some fish.